0: turn with me to Acts chapter 14. In the last uh, eight verses uh, that Jordan read for us here in Acts 14, the, the first ever mission trip, it comes to a close. Now, that doesn't mean, Paul and Barnabas, that their mission ended. I know some of you have maps in the back of your Bible. You might be like me when I was a young feller, and if the pastor wasn't capturing my interest too well, I made my way back there and would study things, and uh, I'm sure there's one in the back of your Bible that uh, shows Paul's first and second and third missionary journeys. Kind of looks like spaghetti, right? He, he really went here, there, and everywhere. One of my Bibles actually has a fourth track. It calls it Paul's journey to Rome, but that was still a mission trip because Paul was on mission from the moment he received Jesus Christ as Savior until the moment he left this earth and went home to be with the Lord. Uh, so, so while our passage here this morning does Uh, detail the end of the first mission trip, much like the book of Acts as a whole. This is a unending, uh, ongoing saga. And it's God's desire uh, that you and I, as we are involved in making disciples, that that you and I, we continue to write, I guess, what we could call uh, new chapters of Acts. Um, May God encourage us and empower us to do so and to do it with the same fervency that that these men uh, did. Let's uh, Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we study this passage together. Father, we come before you, ask that you would, um, first of all, uh, comfort our brothers and sisters in Christ over at Center Road with the loss uh, of Miss Millie Bryan and Miss Janice German. Lord, I pray that you give peace to their families and and to their friends at that church. I pray that the, the hope, the blessed hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ, what we're about to celebrate uh, specifically here in the next couple of months as we uh, celebrate your resurrection from the dead, I pray that that would be a source of great comfort and strength uh, to these families, to know that those who have trusted in Jesus Christ as Savior, uh, that this isn't a, a goodbye, it's a see you later, and that there will be a reunion. Lord, I pray that you'd be their strength, that they might grieve, but not as those who have no hope. And Lord, as we come to this passage here, I pray that you'd also encourage us to, um, Especially to do what you've asked us to do. Help us to understand as we go through the book of Acts here exactly what it is that you've assigned us to do and that you'll empower us to do. And then, Lord, I pray that we'd be faithful in doing it and we'd be fervent in doing it until you return or call us home. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. And I do. Genuinely hope that um, as we have been studying through the book of Acts, this has been so much more than just a a historical record of the early church for you. Uh, It is God's will that we learn what they did um, and that we experience the same Great Commission successes that they did as you and I go into all the world and make disciples. Learning from their testimony, um, we are reminded in verses 21 and 22 that uh, our commission is disciple-making. Disciple-making, that is what God wants us to be about. Disciple-making should be the single-minded focus of us as his church. Um, let's look at the commencement of disciple-making. How does disciple-making begin? It begins just like verse 21 begins. It says, and when they had preached the gospel in that city, in Derby. Uh, that's how disciple-making always Begins. It begins with those who are disciples preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who are not yet disciples of Jesus. It begins with us telling others uh, that God sent his son Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins in our place. Telling them that God raised Jesus from the dead so, so that whosoever will place their faith in who Jesus is and what he has done for us. We can be saved and we can have everlasting life. The Great Commission cannot happen apart from the gospel being shared. That's its commencement. Every single one of us here this morning who has been saved, uh, we received Jesus Christ as our Savior uh, by placing our faith in Jesus because someone, somewhere, at some time, told us about this good news of what God has done for us in Jesus Christ. That's how the Great Commission that, that every single Christian has been called to be a part of, that's how it commences. That's how it begins. But that's not all. Uh, The Great Commission does not call us to make converts, but to make disciples. And so Great Commission involvement is so much more than um, leading someone to trust in Christ as Savior. The rest of verse 21 and on into verse 22, we learn of disciple-making's continuation. How does making disciples continue in God's word? What does God want us to do? I want you to notice the rest of verse 21. After preaching the gospel in the city of Derby and teaching many there, what does it say that Paul and Barnabas did? They returned. They returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch. Let's read verse 22 once more. Confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. And that we must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. So notice that they confirmed, or they strengthened the souls of the disciples. It says they exhorted, they they encouraged these new Christians. And this is what they told them, continue in the faith. Stay true to Jesus Christ. Uh, They told them what every Christian needs to be reminded of. This is not going to be easy for you. They told them, hard times are going to come. We must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. The the devil no longer has you, so he wants to ruin you. You're going to be tested like never before. You're going to be tempted like never before. But here's how to live in victory in Jesus Christ. That's what they were teaching them. And Paul and Barnabas went right back to these three cities where they had just preached the gospel days before. Why? Because people responded to the gospel there. They had trusted in Christ as Savior. Um, and each one of these locations. If you remember, uh, in each one of these locations, Paul and Barnabas have been violently chased out of them. But these new Christians needed to know how to continue in Christ. That might seem like a dangerous thing for Paul and Barnabas to do. That first city in Lystra, um, Paul had been stoned, we learned at the first part of chapter 14. To go back to where they had been persecuted, where people were trying to kill them, but they did it. And they did it because they realized what we so desperately need to realize. Listen, church, if there is one thing (laughs) that that God has burdened me that you comprehend about what God is teaching us throughout the book of Acts, it's, it's this. This point right here, that being involved in the Great Commission, doing what Jesus told us to do until he returns, until he calls us home, it is about so much more than what we might call evangelization. Um, yes, that's necessary. In fact, that's how it commences. You, you can't fulfill the Great Commission without doing that part. Um, the Great Commission, it cannot happen without you and I verbally sharing the gospel with the lost, with the unsaved. But everywhere, everywhere in the New Testament where God gives us the great commission, he tells us to do what? Make disciples. Not make converts. Make disciples. Uh, not just get somebody to receive Christ as Savior. Not just get somebody to raise a hand or, or walk an aisle or check a box and, and then wish them the best. Know where to make disciples. That's a great commission. And it's a great commission just as much as helping them come to Christ in the first place. Um, We are to be involved in helping people come to Christ. But we're also to be involved in helping people continue in Christ. That's the great commission that Jesus gave us. And and that's why this is such a burden for me. that, That God would use me to help everyone in earshot of me this morning really get that. Because it's vital. Because I've seen... I think you, many of you have seen, we, we are experiencing the result of the church not doing this. Right now, in, in our day and age, um, we're living with, we're dealing with, honestly, the result of, of decades where there have been evangelistic thrusts. Um, there's been soul winning programs, even recently. I mean, you can hear testimonies of, of this many hundred or this thousand came to Jesus Christ, but we see it with absolutely no disciple-making, at least how the Bible defines it. Um, Pastor Ryan Visconti, he explains this more concisely and clearly than I have or probably will be able to, and and thereby he explains the um, state of the majority of churches here in America in our day. He said this, in an effort to reach the lost, Many pastors and churches have failed to disciple the found. What do you think? And that being the case, what do we expect will happen when we've only been focusing on um, or involved in the commencement of the Great Commission, but not dedicated to, devoted to the continuation aspect of the Great Commission? The reality is we haven't done it, we haven't done the Great Commission. We haven't seen it through. Do you want to know why our churches so often have this gap between someone who's 18 years old and who has their whole life been brought to church um, by their parents and someone who is 30 or 40 or 50 or if, if they ever return? Because we haven't made disciples. We haven't made disciples. Do you want to know why you share the gospel? Maybe, maybe you share the gospel with some person in your workplace or uh, in your community. And when you do, they tell you, oh, I'm I'm saved. I'm saved. I've, I trust in Jesus as my Savior. I've been born again. But, but the whole reason uh, that God moved you to share uh, the gospel with them in the first place is because their life was a total train wreck. And there's absolutely no evidence uh, that they're a Jesus follower at all. It's because for decades now, uh, the Christian church, in an effort to reach the lost, we have failed to disciple the found. And that being the case, we haven't actually been involved In the Great Commission, we haven't been doing what Jesus told us to do here, at least not all of it. I I don't know everything that has to do with what got us to this point. Uh, I think much of it was a genuine burden to see people saved. We don't want them to go to hell, we want them to know Jesus as their Savior and go to heaven. I think part of it is because disciple making, as opposed to convert making, is hard. It's hard. Uh, Boy, it takes time. Um, it takes an investment in energy. From time to time, it can even be painful when you're discipling someone, leading them to continue in Christ. They may not continue at the pace that you would like them to. It might be three steps forward and four steps back and two steps forward and one step back. But church, that's what Jesus called us to do, to make disciples. And because we haven't done it, how Jesus told us to, we have left um, in our wake a generation or two of professing Christians. They may be, they may not be, only God knows. But they profess a love for Jesus, but it's a Jesus they don't know very well. And um, they don't know how to live in the power of their salvation, And as a result, they're pretty inadequate to multiply disciples themselves. And that's the whole point. And and look, I know many of you get this, so may God use us. May God use us here to be the catalyst for this to change uh, in our churches and in our communities until the greater church uh, of Jesus Christ begins to do what he's actually called us to do, make disciples disciples. Uh, yeah, calling people to come to faith in Jesus, but, but always also helping them continue in faith in Jesus. I know many of you are doing that as parents, at home, as grandparents, as aunts and uncles. Uh, it goes on here all the time. I mean, are we involved in Great Commission? Yeah. Are we making disciples? Uh, you're, in the next hour, you'll go down, walk down the halls, and there'll be room after room of disciples being made, from the littlest ones to the not-so-littlest ones. This whole past week was disciple making in our children's ministries and Awana tonight in teen ministry. We're making disciples. Let's keep doing it. Um, And I know disciple making is happening as as you all share your faith outside of these walls. I hear testimony of that as well. And um, let's keep doing that. Amen. And if you're not, come talk to me because I can find a place where You can help make disciples here. You can be a part. Number two, uh, our cooperation in disciple making. That's in verses 23 and 25. It's always through collaboration. Verse 23 is brief, but it is just one of many in the New Testament that we depend on here um, for how and and why we do things the way we do things at Dublin First Baptist Church. We have a congregational form of church government here. That's something that most Baptist churches um, have or they're supposed to have, Uh, And what that means is our church is based, it's run based on God's word. And God's word says that Paul and Barnabas, that they help these new believers in Lystra and Iconium and Antioch, they help them choose elders. We choose our pastors here, right? You choose uh, your deacons. Um, We choose our church leaders. Not some denomination, not, not some person within church hierarchy who is assigned to be in charge of our church. It says in verse 23, when they had ordained or appointed them elders in every church, they prayed with fasting, and then they commended them to the Lord on whom they believed. Uh, and so Paul and Barnabas had strengthened these churches back in verse 22 uh, through edification. Now they wanted to strengthen these churches through organization. Uh, so with prayer and fasting, it says, they helped these churches They helped the people choose those among them who would help them continue in the faith. I want you to notice that Paul and Barnabas, they didn't stay there. They didn't um, stay there to lead or, or to run these churches. That God used them to help plant. That they realized what we need to realize. That disciple making by God's design, it takes collaboration. It takes many people. God has Paul later tell us in Ephesians 4, 11 to 13. It says, so Christ himself gave the apostles and the prophets and the evangelists and the pastors and teachers. All different ministries. And his why. To equip his people for works of service. So that they get involved as well and serve and minister so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, until we all become mature, attaining the whole measure of the fullness of Jesus Christ. So, hey, uh, making disciples, uh, according to the Great Commission, requires collaboration. God has gifted you with gifts that I do not have. And God has gifted each person that... uh, has the Holy Spirit indwelling them here in this church. Uh, He has gifted them with Holy Spirit-empowered ministry abilities that individual members of our pastoral staff, like myself or Pastor Daniel or Pastor Tommy or or a deacon board, that they may not have. The point and the design by God is to work together in collaboration in making disciples and fulfilling the Great Commission. We need you to help others come to faith in Christ And then to continue in faith in Christ until, as Paul says there, we all reach a unity in the faith and knowledge of the Son of God. So we can all become mature, attaining the full measure of Jesus Christ. And so after edifying and organizing these churches through prayer and fasting, the end of verse 23 says that Paul and Barnabas did one more thing. We see their commending of these Christians. This can be a tough one in the whole disciple-making process because we tend to get attached. Um, making disciples, it, it requires a dedication of Christ-like love uh, toward those you are trying to lead to him. But, but sometimes that level of commitment and that level of dedication can look like this. It can look like commending them to the Lord. Th- this is not leaving someone. This is entrusting them. Um, Paul and Barnas were not leaving these new believers high and dry. They had spent time discipling them. We don't know exactly how long. Most commentators believe that this first mission trip took uh, one to two years. Um, They had helped edify them. They had helped organize them. And now they commended them. They committed them. They entrusted them to the Lord on whom they had believed. They hadn't been saved by Paul or Barnabas. They had been saved by the Lord. They believe in the Lord. Uh, these were not Barnabas or Paul's disciples. They were Jesus Christ's disciples. And what is the Lord's promise to those who have come to him and who continue in him? Uh, what does God tell us in Philippians 1.6? We can be confident of this, that he who began a good work in you, he will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. I know Paul still had a heart for these three churches. It's probably tough to leave to commend them to the Lord um, these, these are cities in a region of Turkey that, that's in a, I guess they're cities and you could call the province or the state the state of Galatia does that sound familiar and after this first mission trip that would be one of the first epistles that God would have Paul write and he might, he might not be there in person to continue to disciple them. He had commended them to the Lord, committed and trusted them to the Lord. Um, He was still committed to making disciples even from a distance. There may be a time uh, when you are doing what God says in the Great Commission, uh, when you're discipling someone, there may come a time when it's time for you to commend them to the Lord. uh, or, Or to someone else. You can only take someone as far as you are as far as your relationship with God goes. But, but please know this. According to that promise in Philippians 1.6, God has others prepared um, that you can connect them with to help them on in their relationship with Christ. Like Paul, um, we all need a Timothy who we are discipling. And like Timothy, we all need a Paul who's helping us continue to grow in Christ. And then in verses 24 and 25, we kind of have a travel itinerary as this first mission team is headed home. They're still preaching the gospel as they go, using every opportunity they have. And then in verses 26 to 28, we learn what should be our commitment to disciple-making. And verse 26 speaks of its completion. It says they sailed Back home to Antioch, from whence they had been recommended by the grace of God for the work which they fulfilled. Three little words there, four little words. By the grace of God. It was the grace of God that had propelled them on mission. That's how they went out. It was the grace of God that helped them persevere on mission when they were chased out of cities and pummeled with stones. And it was the grace of God that helped them perform, fulfill their mission, the work which they fulfilled. It was done. What God asked them to do was done, at least this first trip. What he had called them to do, where he had led them to go, they had completed it. Did they have obstacles in the last couple of chapters as we studied this? Yeah. They had unresponsive audiences, unruly audiences. They got chased out, threatened with assault. And Lystra, Paul, stoned. It was the grace of God that sent them, and it was the grace of God that had sustained them. That's what this verse is telling us, by the grace of God. You know what's so awesome about that? You've got the same thing. You've got the exact same thing to help you do what they did. You have the same grace of God to help you continue on in your mission, the same grace of God to help you continue on in your faith and be conformed to the the image of Jesus Christ. It was the grace of God that called you to faith. There's no other way you were saved except by God's grace. It's a grace of God that calls you to specific mission opportunities that God lays on your heart. It's a grace of God that will give you everything you need to see those through to completion, just like they did here. And then in the last two verses, uh, we see the celebration of all that went on. Do you know? what we're to do when we get to experience one of the greatest joys in life, helping others come to Christ or, or continue in Christ, disciple-making is something that should be celebrated. Amen? We should. I mean, we should get ramped up about that. I'm so thankful at this church. We have first Wednesday night um, missions night, so we can hear about what God is doing and what we can be involved with. Uh, I'm so thankful that um, when we get to partner with Moldova, New York, we can get pictures just seeing what um, God is doing. Um, I'm thankful there's a young fella down there studying to teach Sunday school right now who two years ago was in Crossroads and gave his life to Jesus Christ. Then he went to Bible college and he's been teaching in Iwana the last few weeks. And now he's, he's down there preparing to teach college and career Sunday school. Some should be celebrated. You know, God's work. And Paul and Barnabas, they arrived back to their home church in Antioch and uh, they went all those who had so faithfully sent them and supported them and prayed for them, they let them know about what God had done. It says they rehearsed all that God had done with them on this first mission trip. That's something that ought to be celebrated, church. When God is at work in us and through us, that's exciting. I mean, we get ramped up about all kinds of other things, but what better to celebrate than the theme of Acts, the continuing work of Jesus Christ by his Holy Spirit through his followers. When we get to be a part of that, we ought to be celebrating it. Verse 28 says that Paul and Barnabas, they abode long time with the disciples. What do you think they did? Think they kicked back, relaxed? I, I think the answer to that question is in those last few words, with the disciples. And Paul and Barnabas, had such a commitment to making disciples, I got no doubt that they, they did what they had always did, even on their return home. Um, From Acts 11, verses 25 and 26, Uh, we know that that's what they were doing before they left on this mission trip. It says there that Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul. When he found him, he brought him to Antioch. And for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church, and they taught great numbers of people. They made disciples. I'm sure that's the case because of their commitment to making disciples. I'm sure that kept on. Are you a disciple of Jesus Christ? Has there been a moment in your life when you recognized I'm a sinner and I need salvation and when you turned in faith to Jesus can you look back at a a moment in your life when in prayer you confessed your sin to him and you trusted only in who Jesus is and what he's done for you to save you if you've never done that do that now even as I'm talking if you've got questions about what that means come and talk to me text me call me look at the back of your bulletin tells you there what it means to be saved according to God's word on our church website you who have done that Christian, making disciples. Making disciples is our great commission. Are you doing that? Because, um, don't you think when God presents you with opportunities this past week or in the week ahead, are you verbally sharing with others who Jesus is and what He's done for you? Are you telling them how they can be saved? Are you actively involved in helping those who have done that, who have trusted in Christ? Are you actively involved in helping them grow more and more in their faith? Um, you need to be because it's a collaborative effort. Um, representing our church, I can't do it alone. Can we do it alone, guys? No, <laughs> um, Your other pastors can't. Your deacons can't. Committees can't. Disciple making is a whole church effort. That's by God's design. Are you committed to making disciples when you get involved? Um, prop I promise you, obstacles will come. Uh, it's hard. It takes time and energy to make disciples. It, it's painful at times, but it's so worth it. It's so worth it. And it's worth celebrating um, when God uses us to do what He asks us to do and when He empowers us to do it. So will you commit to help make sure that as a church, we, we always do it God's way? Um, this morning, will you commit to helping reverse a trend that's created a significant mess? Um, always sharing the gospel, always sharing the gospel with the lost, but never failing to always disciple the found. As Tommy comes, let's have a, a time to respond to God's word and celebrate his goodness and his working through us, and then commit to continue on in that as we make disciples.